Welcome, everyone, to the Happy Hustle Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Jack, lifestyle entrepreneur, professional model slash actor, biohacker, and eco-warrior striving to make a positive impact on this planet. My goal is to inspire, educate, and entertain you while reminding you to enjoy the journey, not just the destination, as you happy hustle for a life of passion and purpose. I am so grateful and humbled to be spending some time together today. Now, let's dive in. What is up, you beautiful happy hustlers out there? Kerry Jack here, and I hope you are having an amazing day, staying grateful, staying positive, and just enjoying this very moment right in front of you. Now, in this episode of the Happy Hustle Podcast, I have on Mr. Corey Hawk, who is a U.S. Marine veteran, a survival expert, and founder of Organic Archery. He was also featured as a contestant on season seven of the hit history show, Alone, which is one of my favorite shows. Now, we get into that story in so much more of how he turned his craft of making bow and arrows into a profitable business. And in his early years, he was taught to just hunt fish and forage for wild foods and navigate the wilderness. And he spent a lot of time outdoors and it was actually taught to respect and appreciate the land. Then he actually went on a combat tour in Afghanistan, two combat tours, and before returning home to Nebraska and becoming immediately infatuated in archery. And we go through through his story of how he built bows as a hobby obsessively while working a full-time job for six years before then making it his full-time endeavor. Now, he is a freaking awesome dude, super really down to earth and just cool to connect with. I think you guys are going to dig his vibe. And he dropped some like real survival expert tactics and techniques, but also tons of business gold and how you can actually happy hustle your dream reality. I mean, yes, he is a master craftsman and makes some amazing bow and arrows, which I'm most likely going to get one very soon. But if you guys want one, you can get one at organicarchery.com and actually get 10% off using code happy. So check it out. I highly recommend following him on IG or The Organic Archer as well because he's got a great feed and it's super cool to see him do his thing with his bow and arrows. And man, is he a heck of a shot. So I think you guys are going to get a ton of value. Shout him out on IG if you like this episode and, you know, give us some love too at Carrie underscore underscore Jack and just, you know, share this with someone who wants to turn maybe their craft into a actual profitable entity because Corey has done just that and he gives us a lot of tangible take-homes on how you can do the same. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode of the Happy Hustle Podcast. Real quick, guys, I just want to give a huge shout out to this episode's sponsor, Therasage, which makes some of the world's greatest full-spectrum infrared red light healing products. And right now, they're doing a 12 weeks of Christmas giveaway where you can actually enter to win one of their saunas. And let me tell you, I love their saunas. I have one. My family has one. Steph loves it. I use it a couple times a week to help burn calories, detoxify the body, decrease inflammation, so many benefits. And you can actually win one for free if you just go to therasage.com, T-H-E-R-A-S-A-G-E.com, enter to win, and then you'll also get a 20% off discount code that you can use for anything on their website. So not only do you get to sign up to potentially win a free sauna, you can actually get 20% off. So you can get a heating pad, you can get a Thera Air, a portable ozone module, you can get an atomizer essential oil diffuser, you can get a, a water 
water pitcher. They got so many awesome products. I highly recommend checking out therasage.com. Sign up for potentially, you know, a free sauna giveaway and then get a 20% discount code in the process. So check them out. That's therasage.com. And uh, I highly recommend jumping on this because this uh, Christmas giveaway is not going to last forever. All right, let's get back to this episode. Peace and love. All right, Corey Hawk, welcome to the Happy Hustle Podcast, my brother. I am super stoked to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I mean, you are a badass U.S. Marine veteran, a survival expert, an organic archer, and you're on the season seven alone, the million dollar challenge where you basically get dropped off in the Arctic for as long as you can survive. And, you know, I love that show. And I knew when I found out about you, I had to have you on the podcast because not only are you those things I previously mentioned, but you're also a happy hustler who is like doing what he loves, making amazing custom bow and arrows. And I just wanted to, you know, share your wisdom, your love, your, your passion for archery with the happy hustlers and also talk about how maybe the happy hustlers out there can also turn their passion project into an actual profitable business. So I'm excited to get into all that. But before I do, what is something interesting about yourself, Corey, that not too many people know? Oh man, not too many people know. Curveball. I think, uh, I don't think a lot of people know that I'm really obsessed with like, uh, dating and attraction psychology and like, uh, the sacred masculine feminine balance and just, uh, the different archetypes of masculinity and sort of like, sort of like ancient energy work. That's something that I study a lot and I, I believe in and I sort of keep it to myself. Wow. Yeah. That's super interesting. I, uh, I think that's intriguing. Where do you where do you dive into your research? Where do you do you read books on it, or what's your favorite source to pull from? Yeah, it's it's mostly books. I mean, they're they're different. Uh, I, I said one of my favorites is like the Way of the Superior Man, which mm, I mean, just yep. it's just the title alone can trigger a lot of people, but uh, it's not what people think. Like, it just breaks yep. down. It has nothing to do with like men being superior over women or anything like that. It just teaches men how to be a little bit more of a superior version of themselves, as far as like being centered in their masculinity and their divine purpose, and you know how to sort of approach relationships without falling off center. And how to sort of like understand feminine energy a little bit better and how it flows versus our, you know, stable, like goal driven energy. So I don't know. Yeah. I found that very helpful. And yeah, that's great. I, I love that. And I mean, I'm big into, you know, the masculine, masculine and feminine, you know, energy vibe and, and the balance between the both. And um, I think, you know, one of the, the most important things that a lot of people potentially don't realize is that we have both sides of us. You know, we're both feminine and masculine within our bodies. And at any given time, we can choose to bring out those different qualities. So I just think it's interesting, you know, especially that book is a great read. Um, I I didn't finish it all the way. I'll I'll be honest. I I got halfway through it, (laughs) but now you want me to, now you're making me want to read it again. So Corey, let's get into it. Talk to me a little bit about your history and your, and your background and what life was like growing up. 
Yes. So I, I was raised in a really small town in Southeast Nebraska of about 110, 120 people. And, uh, I come from a long line of outdoorsmen, everybody on my, everybody on both my mother and my father's side of the family are really big into hunting and fishing and, uh, you know, just bushcrafting and, Growing up, I always had either a bow and arrow or a slingshot or a rifle in my hands. Uh, my parents introduced us to like weapon safety very early on. Um, and my dad and all my uncles were, were diehard bow hunters. So every, every family vacation I can remember growing up was pretty much us going out west to chase some game animal whether it was antelope or mule deer or turkeys. And then, you know, all the kids would hang out at camp where the, where the guys went out and hunted. And uh, we'd sometimes the, the older, like my grandparents would stay back or like my great uncles would stay back and we'd learn about fishing. Uh, I had a couple of expert fishermen in my family. So taught us about fishing, wild edibles, uh, processing game. Uh, there was a lot of lessons about just respecting animals and, and, you know, treating them with love, even though you have to kill them, which is kind of a, mm -hmm. a dynamic that confuses a lot of people. But, uh, yeah, I was very fortunate to be raised up in a family that got me out into the woods often and, uh, taught me morals and, you know, the way to do it right. The, the yeah. way to, to appreciate it and not, and not just take from the land, but sort of like immerse yourself in that, uh, that cycle of life. Yeah, that that's that's beautiful and such a gift that you know has been passed down through generation in your family, especially mine as well. You know, I grew up you know camping, fishing, hiking, hunting, and I think it's a lost art among our generation. You know, now we're so yeah. consumed by our tech and our devices and our indoor living spaces and our indoor gym facilities, and you know, I'm guilty as well. I like the creature comforts just as much as the next guy, but I think it's important to understand, you know, our hunter gatherer history and, and the balance of life and how it, we can ethically take life and, you know, also be good to the environment and protect mother earth. I'm big into, you know, protecting the environment. And I think right now it, it's beautiful to hear you talk about it and how it's been passed down. Talk to me a little bit about what after high school was like, what made you join the military and kind of that whole experience uh, be becoming a U.S. Marine? Yeah. So, I mean, the high school thing is, I think it's probably the same for a lot of people. You sort of get away from your childhood passions. You start to pursue, like for me, it was cars and dirt bikes and girls and whatever, right? Yeah. Like you just, you get sidetracked for a few years. And so I sort of got away from hunting, I, I rode dirt bikes really hard for a lot of years. That sort of kept nice. me distracted. And then uh, I, I left for college and I was just going to do the thing, right? I was very interested in health and fitness. So I, I went to college for about a year and a half um, under, like I was pursuing health and nutrition sciences. And I did that for a little while and just decided that uh, college really wasn't for me. I, I, I didn't really feel challenged by it, I guess. Like I, it just didn't resonate with my personality type to sit in classes and lectures and do homework. So I decided that, uh, I don't know, I, I joined the Marines. I was always kind of, I always sort of fantasized about it as a kid, right? Like we would always play, play army guys or like, uh, pretend we were Marines or pretend we were snipers out in the woods. So 
that was a big part of my childhood and I just decided to go for it and uh, pursue more of like a physical challenge than uh, an academic one. And I chose the Marines for no other reason than being young and bullheaded and, you know, wanting to go for like the, the most physically demanding branch. Yep. And, uh, I was just sort of young and immature. I walked into the recruiter's office and I was like, Hey, I want to join the Marines. I don't care what it is. I just want to go to combat. So they put me in for combat option, which, because at the time infantry was totally full, it was like a two year wait for an infantry spot with the, oh, wow. the full swing. So they uh, put me in combat option. Two weeks later, I left as a motor transport operator and uh, did the whole basic training thing, got through all that. And then I attached to first Marines as a motor transport operator and uh, got sent to a specialty school after that to become a wrecker operator or a, a combat recovery operator. So, I, I mean, I love my time in the Marines, but that's sort of how it all transpired. Yeah. Yeah, man. I thank you for your service. And, you know, I know you did two combat tours in Afghanistan. And I mean, for me, I always, I always wanted to join, if any, the Marines, and, you know, and I was a criminal justice major. Uh, so I was like, you know what, if I'm not going to join the military, I'll, I'll do FBI, like badass FBI yeah. agent. And then I just, I saw the law from the other side. I got in some trouble. <laughs> you know, I was always in and out of trouble growing up. And I was like, I don't want to be around criminals and crime the rest of my life as an FBI agent. So I, I pivoted and, uh, you know, Authority was always something that I was like, ah, I just, I, I couldn't take someone screaming in my face, you know, or yeah. I said, said I couldn't to myself. So I didn't end up joining any military, but my brother-in-law, he's a Navy, U.S. Navy chief. And, you know, I, I appreciate all of our servicemen and women out there who, you know, sacrifice. And um, if you could kind of distill your lessons from the military, what would you say is one of like the biggest takeaways you had from, from your time? Definitely just discipline. Yeah. I mean, the discipline to to wake up early. I mean, I don't wake up Marine Corps early anymore, but the discipline to wake up early, to make sure you get your exercise every day, to have a plan of action for the day, to, uh, you know, I mean, just do what you have to do every single day and make sacrifices along the way to make sure that it happens. And then mm -hmm. another really valuable thing that I took away was leadership skills. Um, I moved up the ranks fairly quickly uh got meritoriously promoted a couple of times so nice. by the time i by the time i got out after four years i was already a sergeant and i was overseeing 53 marines so um the leadership skills were were huge it, it led me to get out of the marine corps and work my way up uh, the management ladders in a couple different places fairly quickly so just being able to lead uh, in my case, it was an infantry regiment, so it was males only. There were no females on the on the whole camp uh, for First Marines. So just the ability to lead men uh, has come in handy more times than I can count. Yeah, for sure. I mean, leadership is essential in every facet of life. What would you say is like a great leadership happy hustle hack that uh, that you found effective? Always lead from the front. Always lead from the front. You need to set the example for your men. Like, you know, running into the running into the hellfire or whatever, being on the front lines with them, getting dirty with them. Uh, it's just uh, a working man does not respect someone who sits on their high horse in their comfy air conditioned office and barks orders. So you got to get out there with your boys. You got to get dirty.
Oh, I love that. So always lead from the front, all you happy hustlers, whether it's your team or your family, you know, lead with, you know, from example, like actually doing the thing and you'll definitely be respected more so in the process. So great advice there, Corey. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, your time when you got back from the military and then how'd you get into starting your business, you know, organic archery? Yeah, so I... I left the military after four years. I did the I did my two my two tours in Helmand Province, Afghanistan. I was feeling pretty tired, um, and at the time, I, I just made a decision not to enlist based on my on my feelings. Get back out in the civilian world and just uh, see what that had to offer. So I left there, um, and then I came back home. I started to uh, work at a limestone mine where I was sort of like a plant operations manager. So I oversaw I oversaw the uh, just like the, all of the equipment that makes the gravel in the limestone mine. So did that for a couple of years. And then I, uh, I got into the, the advertising industry. Um, I worked, I worked, uh, for a company that does large format graphics. So like all over the city of Omaha, we would do everything from vehicle wraps to, uh, to billboards, to all the advertisements you see in the mall, to like a bunch of rebranding for banks and corporations and stuff. So, Hmm. Lots of different advertising media. Uh, moved myself up in that pretty quickly. Where eventually I was, uh, I was managing a shop with a couple guys under me. And then uh, nice. the whole time that I was doing that, I was actually coming home after my full time job at night and building bows because I sort of. I'm going to swing back around real quick. But when I first got back from the military, I, I really didn't have that much interest in. The outdoors at that time, I was still just sort of coming off of this other lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So I stayed in the city for a little while, and then I moved back home to, to work in that limestone mine. And for whatever reason, I, I don't know if it was like a therapeutic creative outlet for me or something, but uh, I just I bought a recurve bow, and that sort of like reinvigorated my love for archery. And then I started breaking lots and lots of arrows. So... I decided I'd read a little bit and learn how to make some wooden arrows. So I started making wooden arrows in my basement. And this is all just after my full-time job in the evenings and uh, started making arrows in my basement. And then probably uh, six months of doing that, I started to feel weird about shooting these handcrafted arrows out of my, my store-bought bow. So I just yeah. started, <laughs> I got online and I bought a bunch of books and I just started reading myself crazy on, uh, on the art of bow building and, built my first bow in the basement of a, of a, a dark basement of an apartment complex. And, uh, yeah, just working after that, it pretty much snowballed. I just, I built one bow and then I, I really, I loved it, but I wasn't happy with it. So I built another and another and another and every, every one just gets better and better. So you sort of become hooked on it. Yeah. And, uh, That's yeah, the, great. The, in the community, they just call it like the bow builders bug, right? You just build one. And then for whatever reason, for the rest of your life, you're just chasing that perfect bow. Mm. So I, I did that uh, through shifting careers, stayed every day. I would go to work full time, come in the evenings uh, for six years. I worked in the evenings just uh, doing it as a side hustle, just doing it for fun. And then uh, there was a bunch of pressure uh, from my family and friends to get on the Internet because I wasn't using any social media whatsoever. And uh, so they convinced me to start an Instagram account and I started posting my work and it wasn't very long after I started posting bows that uh, some, some well-known people from the outdoor industry sort of 
caught on and they ordered bows and then oh, it wow. really just it really just gained momentum from there because they were posting about their experience with their bows and and that exposed me to a, a large audience then my page started to grow and uh after after six years of doing it part-time you know after work it got to the point where i either had to choose to quit making bows or quit my job because mm-hmm. i was i was working a full-time job and coming home and working late yeah. into the night getting very little sleep rinse and repeat about seven days a week i'd work all through the weekends trying to fill bow orders and i was just getting burnt out so i i had to quit my job and start building bows full-time that's awesome you got to quit your job right that's a yeah. that's a that's a blessing i mean so you know just to recap like if you guys are listening to this and, and hearing Corey's story, it, what's awesome about it is he didn't, you know, just completely quit cold turkey and then say, oh, I got to figure it out. He was gradually building his company, you know, throughout his time of still full time employment, mitigating his risk, growing the business, growing the brand, continuously building on the side busting his butt to do so right and then yeah i'm sure you were tired working hard like that and then coming home working hard again for the custom boats but when you find something that you love to do it's it's worth it right talk to us a little bit about where the business is now and kind of you know some of those lessons that you've learned from just turning your passion into you know a profitable business yeah, I mean, you already touched on one of the the main points that I tell people um, when they ask me how I got started is I, I tell them straight away, don't quit your full time job. Like, like find something that you find something that, you know, you love to do with your hands. I mean, we're just talking like craftsmanship trades or, you know, turning your craft into your profession, find something that you love to do. And uh, give that thing like one or two hours every single night after work even just five days a week, one or two hours after work. And you would be amazed at what you can accomplish in one year with just one or two hours of work every night. And then within five years, I mean, you've pretty much mastered your craft and, and you're, and you're starting to gain momentum. And if you, and once your work becomes more refined and you're putting it out there, people start to take notice Mm -hmm. and then it starts and then it'll start to maybe generate some, some, uh, generate an audience. And then maybe it starts to generate a little bit of supplemental income and then it will start to snowball. If you keep putting in the time Mm -hmm. and keep paying your dues, then it'll start to snowball to the point where like, there's a possibility that you could see it replacing your full-time income. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely don't recommend that unless you've got a bunch of money saved up, you know, like a, like a couple years salary that you can fall back on. Uh, don't quit your full-time job and just go straight in. Like understand yeah. you're, you're going to have to make some sacrifices up front and you're going to have to work extra hard to make your craft your living. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's great advice, Corey. Seriously, guys, if you want it bad enough, it will happen. Just don't quit. Continuously learn every single day. Put forth the effort. There's no such thing as an overnight success. You know, people, they see you and where you are now, they don't see, like, even this podcast, like, they don't see how many hours go into, like, the first 50 episodes, which I didn't make a penny on, you know? It's like, yeah. now finally I got, you know, some sponsors and some momentum, and it's still growing, but it's like people out there, you know, we're so used to that instant gratification, like the dopamine dump of, Oh, I got to like, I got to share, you know, 
And they forget that, it, you know, good things take time and you got to build it slowly but surely. And I love that, you know, you just put yourself out there and you you dedicated yourself to your craft. And now here you are making it for some of the industry's, you know, best and brightest and, and most prominent outdoorsmen. So that, that's awesome. I can't wait to give a, you know, a, a try on one of your bows. And, you know, Corey actually set up something cool, which I want to share with the happy hustlers. Anyone out there who wants to get into archery and wants to, you know, really like get primal with it and tap back into our ancient roots, you can go to organicarchery.com and Corey's hooking everyone up with a happy hustler discount of 10%. So, um, I mean, I highly recommend what, what would you say to people who are just getting into, you know, like, archery what what bow would you recommend or you know is it all variants on i guess their their style and type or give us some knowledge on that like starter steps yeah i mean i think i can i can only speak for people who are going to do the traditional side i mean i shot a, i shot a compound for one year and i just decided it wasn't for me so i can't speak to anybody who's trying to get into the compound world but i think uh if you're just getting started and you want to go the traditional route, the best thing to do is understand that you don't have to have a, th you don't have to have a thousand dollar bow to get started. I mean, you, you don't have to go straight for the, you can, if you want to, like my, my work would be considered like the extreme, you know, they're all wood self bows. They, uh, they tend to have like little shifts in um, characteristics as the humidity changes and as the season changes and they're shot off the knuckles. So this is like, this is like all possible shooting aids removed, you know, oh, wow. it, it's pretty primitive, but uh, you can get started with a, a much less, expensive bow i mean there are bows out there that cost 150 to 200 bucks that'll that'll shoot great for you for many years so pick yourself up a nice cheap bow just to make sure that you actually like the sport first because Bruce, sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, you're good. Uh, yeah there's uh what kind of dog you got I, I just have a really old miniature pincher. Oh, <laughs> I, nice. I, I, I rescued him when he was eight years old, and now he's like 18 years old. Oh, man. 18. That's pretty awesome. Well, I got to... I got to know what's, uh, what, what's in the water over there in Nebraska. It's just all good food, man. Just feeding good food and, and giving plenty of exercise. Yep. That's but, true. Uh, yeah. Okay. So try, try not to get, try not to go straight for like a super huge investment. I think that's one thing that turns a, a lot of compound archers off is they, you know, it, it costs you a thousand dollars for a bow just to get set up and shooting. But with traditional archery, you can get started for 200, 250 bucks, uh, figure out if you like it, learn the fundamentals of the sport and, and, and don't overthink it because there's so much information out there right now about, I mean, there's, there's, there's these, there's podcasts out there that are really great for experienced archers, but they, um, they break the shot cycle down into like these super intense sciences all the way down to every little part of your shot sequence. And if for a beginner, that can be a lot to digest and it can really make you confused. And the archery shots a lot like a golf swing. Like if you just start thinking way too much about it, it'll just mess you all up. So yeah. learn your, learn your fundamentals, like your anchor point, your bow arm, how to actually, you know, look at the target effectively, how to get back tension or full expansion, whatever you want to call it. And just shoot, just shoot for fun. Mm -hmm. Like don't get so wrapped up in the science of archery that it takes away all the fun because you'd, you'd be amazed how accurate you can be uh, just shooting arrows just for fun and shooting lots of them a day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, 
in our blood and it's in our DNA, right? I mean, it's a primitive skill that we, as human beings, you know, once possessed. Um, So I just think, you know, overcomplicating it is something a lot of people do in many facets of life. And I think getting back to the basics, simplicity is essential. And I love that you broke down that process. But for those people who are listening and do want a really high quality custom made bow, I don't want you guys to not think that, uh, you know, just because you're getting into it, you can't start at the top because Corey's work is amazing. You got to check out his website. I put a link to it in the description and on the show notes. You guys can check it out. And then Code Happy will save, um, you know, 10%. So get the hook up if you're interested in getting into archery. So, Corey, I like to talk about some tangible happy hustle hacks and, you know, give the listeners something that they can, like, actually extract and use as soon as they stop listening, like right away. And I like to talk about different happy hustle acts in different areas of life. One in particular is health and you being big into, you know, health and fitness and you're ripped. Uh, I mean, like I know the organic part of archery is very catchy, but talk to us a little bit about your health and if, you know, organic, um, you know, fruits and vegetables is all you eat or, or, or maybe some like happy hustle hacks that people can apply to help their own lives. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, the organic archery name actually just came from, I was doing a hike in Colorado with uh, one of my good friends and we were just sort of brainstorming ideas for the business. And he just says, how about organic archery? It fits your lifestyle. Like you're all into the health and fitness and the food and everything. So I was thinking, man, that's got a nice ring. It does. And uh, so that's, I mean, that was it. He thought of the business name and I just ran with it, created organic archer, Instagram page, organic archer, web organic archery website. And uh, it just, it's, I try, I try to sort of keep the, the Instagram and the social media or the social media and everything really focused on the archery, but uh, health and fitness and the whole organic lifestyle is definitely a big part of the equation for me. I think if we take good care of our bodies, it just, and, and you keep yourself strong and keep your mind sharp, it just increases your work capacity like tenfold. And you can see it when you're in the industry too, or when you're in different industries too. Like if you're somebody that's, that's uh you know paying your dues you you can definitely outperform usually people who aren't getting enough sleep or who have really poor diets or you know who just make bad lifestyle choices so mm-hmm. there's really nothing special about what i'm doing i think uh i can give you guys like my exact individual formula but the truth is i think a lot of people already sort of know what they should be doing there's there's a lot of information about out there already about health and fitness and uh, a lot of it's conflicting, but what it really boils down to is clean whole foods most of the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, I am, I'm not perfect. I don't want to be perfect. I, I love life. I love food. I, I don't want to be this, you know, hermit inside of my house eating boiled rice and, and chicken for the rest of my life. So I would say like, for me, it's about like an 80, 20 healthy versus indulgences. So mm-hmm. When I'm at the house, I eat a pretty, it's a fairly paleo diet, like mostly starchy tubers, vegetables and lean cuts of meat and lots of fats. I really try not to eat a ton of like uh, breads and stuff. I just, it does, it sounds silly, but I've really got a gluten and a little bit of a gluten sensitivity. Like Mm -hmm. if I eat breads or grains, I really swell up and get full. So there's not a lot of grains in my diet. A lot of people actually have that are gluten intolerant and they don't even realize it. So 
I love that you even brought that up. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know that I was gluten intolerant actually until I got back from alone. Mm. Uh, the the total just fish and berries for you know a couple weeks, and then you have to go through the refeeding program because your gut microbiome's all messed up from the experience. And uh, when I got back home, man, that gluten was tearing me up. Really, it, it took that elimination diet to to figure out that it was the bread that was making me feel that way. So hmm. that's very interesting. So. Paleo mainly. I mean, do you work out every day? What's your your kind of is no, it all body actually, weight stuff or? It's a lot of body weight. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, during the summertime, I actually cancel my gym membership and just do calisthenics in the yard. Like I've got a tractor tire out back. I got sort of like a pull up bar set up. I got uh, this little versatile home gym set up called the uh, the Chain Bells. It's just a, a company uh, called Chain Bell Weight Co. And they they have like this home gym. He has this home gym set up that he makes from hand, uh, from scratch. And it's it's like oh, these cool. uh, adjustable chains. They can go anywhere from basically like five to 100 pounds. So I do a lot of work with those. It's just, yeah, weird. And the chains are really awkward objects, right? Like they, they shift a lot and they build mm-hmm. your stabilizers. So it's a lot of calisthenics, like pull-ups, push-ups, dips. Yep. Um old school military stuff, lots of running. I try to do, I try to do three. I don't do tons of running, but I like to do three miles a couple times a week. I would say on average, I probably work out four four days a week steady. Nice. Yeah. uh, I mean, I'm big with that too. The calisthenics and body weight training. I, I just think, you know, like flexibility is so much more of a priority to me and like being nimble and, you know, especially being into martial arts. Like I, I just very much cherish my body and like its ability. And I don't want to just focus on, you know, static movements, pick weight up, put weight down, pick weight up. You know, it's like, there's more to working out than, than that. So I like that, you know, you incorporate natural movement and, you know, running is, is important. I'm not, I'm not that big of a runner. I got to admit, I like, I played soccer my whole life. So I have to run for soccer and I played last night and I think I pulled my ass muscle, (laughs) but uh, other than that, you know, I got to say we have a pretty similar workout and uh, health mindset. So that's awesome. Let's get into alone because I, I I mean, I'm going to come back to some tangible, happy hustle hacks, but since you talked about it, I want to go there. Talk to us a little bit about that alone experience. And for those people who don't know about alone, give us a little bit of overview. So alone is a television show that is put on by the history channel and uh, they take 10 participants and they drop them off in some of the most remote and dangerous places on earth. Uh, They just, they fly you out, they drop you off by helicopter. You have 10 survival items that you are able to choose from a very strict list of about 30 or 40 things. So from that list, you choose your 10 items and that's, that's all you've got. Plus the clothes on your back. Like, I mean, they, you know, they allow you to have things like, uh, some base layers, a winter parka, a couple pairs of gloves, like those items and a couple pairs of boots, like those items don't count against you, but your main survival items are just 10 chosen from a list and uh, they drop you off. And every season before mine was last man standing. So up to one year. So they would drop uh, the participants off and they wouldn't say, I mean, you know, you have no idea how many other people have been eliminated. You just go until you can't go anymore. And then you have to call in and officially tap out after, uh, after which they come and extract you 
And uh, basically, if they have to intervene in your situation in any way, uh, you're extracted. Mm. So if you have if you have a medical issue that you have to call and, and get checked out, you're done. Or mm. it's so the idea it's is a real to, deal. Yeah, it, for people that don't know, it re- it is real. It is 100% real. There is no camera crew. Yeah. There's no support crew. You're miles from, from anywhere. They just dump you off, in my case, in the Canadian Arctic with your pack and your camera gear. And, uh, yeah, you go through an extensive self-filming school. So that's people are like, how are you guys getting these shots? And it's because we went to self-filming school. So ah. that's kind of... That's pretty, just, that's smart investment on their part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's legit. And yeah. uh, for my season, because no one, I mean, I think Jordan Jonas from season six had what it took. He could have easily went a hundred days or longer. He's but, a badass. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The guy knows his stuff and he has same thing. I mean, he reeks of experience, you know, these like guys like Jordan and Roland who have been living this lifestyle ever since they were kids, like way out in dangerous and remote areas. They've, they've got a little bit of an edge for sure. Because nothing replaces experience in, in any situation, I feel like. Yeah. So, yeah, they they drop you off, and uh, you see how long you can last. And for season seven, which was my season, they actually put a 100-day cap on it and called it the Million Dollar Challenge. So if anyone made it to 100 days, um, then because previously I believe the record was like 87 days uh, set by a Fowler. I can't remember his first name, but Fowler from season three. Mm. So they said if anyone can make it 100 days, we'll double the prize money. Yeah. Wow, and that would they have given it to let's say all ten of you if you all ten made it? Yeah, yeah. That oh was the, man, <laughs> that was the uh, the catch is if more than one person makes it, you got to split it however many ways. So there's a million dollar pot at the end. Oh, however, however many times that has to be split, it's just a million. Oh, and, uh, they're smart. They're smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, if you tapped out. If you the old prize for every other season used to be five hundred thousand for the last man standing. So in this season, if you were the last person standing, but you tap out before one hundred days, you only get five hundred thousand. Mm. So you had to be the last person standing at one hundred days to get a million. Man, that is such a badass show. I'm actually, you know, super interested in going on it and seeing how, you know, how I do as well. I mean, I need a lot more training, so I'm going to come hang out with you for a little bit before. (laughs) But talk to us how you did. Like, what was, um, you know, what happened with your series? I mean, spoiler alert for anyone listening who hasn't seen it, but give us like a little bit of, you know, um, insights on, you know, your experience. Yeah, I mean, you you try you try to plan because uh, this it's a very long process. The whole casting process, I mean, from the time you set up your first interview to the time you're actually dropped off by helicopter is about one year. So you've got a oh, lot wow. of time. You've got a lot of time to think about this. You've got a lot of time to train and to sharpen your skills and your weak areas, and you spend so much time planning. I mean, I spent months and months just knocking off weak areas, spending time out in the woods, doing winter camping and stuff like that to try to get acclimated to cold, doing all the Wim Hof stuff in the snow. Nice. Like just trying to prepare myself as much as you can. And then when you actually get dropped off, they, uh, the show has this, this term that they've coined drop shock, right? Like you, you get dropped and, and all of a sudden you just almost black out because this helicopter flies away and you're in the middle of this super gnarly environment with nothing but what you've got on your back and, and grizzly bears and wolves and mountain yeah, there's lion. Bear, there's bear sign everywhere wolves wolverines so 
uh, yeah, you get a little bit of drop shock and then you just kind of take some time to orient yourself. And I, I had a, had a plan in my head that, uh, I was just going to spend my first week. I was going to do two days of just exploration because you have what's called like a geo zone, right? It's a, it's a GPS coordinated boundary that you're able to operate in. And it's a pretty, it's a pretty large swath of land, like nothing outrageous, but, uh, big enough that it takes a couple days to explore the whole thing. Hmm. So I took two days. I explored my whole area looking for the best possible shelter spot. And then uh, for five days after that, I was just telling myself like this first week, I just want to set up my house. I want to be warm and cozy and get the shelter done while I've got all these, all this energy and all this reserve calories in my system. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. And, uh, problem was for me, spoiler alert, uh, while I was building my shelter, I was carrying one of the big timbers for my, my lower floor, like bed frame area where I was going to sleep. And I just slipped on the terrain. It's just really gnarly terrain in my drop zone. It was kind of on the side of a hill and there was like granite rock slides that had been covered in moss. And there were these big holes that you could fall in that would just swallow you right up. So every step out there was just meticulous. And it was, it was actually very, very mentally exhausting just to always be watching where you're stepping because there's so many hazards. But uh, yeah, it was like the fourth day. I just had, I had a huge tree on my shoulder and I just took one, wrong step and i slipped into a hole and uh felt the i heard an audible snap in my knee kind of uh thought it was no big deal carried on for a couple days just building my shelter hardcore so i didn't really have the time for the the damage to set in Uh, in my mind i wasn't really injured and then by probably day five or six it started to fill full of fluid and a couple days later i started having some really bad uh, stability issues which is I mean, that just compounds the the risk when you're in that dangerous of an environment. I mean, the rocks along the shore are very slippery. The water's cold. The water's deep. So when you've got a knee that you can't fully trust, uh, it just makes things so much more difficult. And then a few days after that, it was really full of fluid and pressure. I mean, I had a, I had a baker cyst on the back of my leg um, that was probably the size of about a small avocado. So Jeez. it was... Uh, and then by about day nine, I started. So the TV show, I'm sorry, I'm sidetracking here. The TV show shows that I, I have one sleepless night, right? They kind of make the injury look fast and furious and, and there's no harm, no foul on that. Like they have like 80 hours of footage from yeah, me. So much editing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So the reality was like, I spent three nights with no sleep and I, I was getting this, this feverish feeling in my leg, basically from my ankle to my hip like a hot throbbing feeling. And uh, I started to get a little bit worried that I was going to go into septic shock or, or get sepsis, which is blood poisoning basically. So because of a Baker cyst ruptures, you can get what's called septic arthritis. So that fluid gets inside of your system and basically poisons your bloodstream. Wow. And it was to the point where my, my knee was so hot and tender that if I bumped it at night with my other leg, it'd wake me right up out of a sleep and I couldn't get back to sleep. And Damn. it just got to the point where I'm sitting out there and I'm like, I'm 88 days from the finish line. Yeah. I'm, I'm injured. And the, the challenge is astronomical when you're at hundred percent health anyway. So yeah, I just I had to make the smart call. Like I've got a very active life. I love lifting weights. I love running. I love hiking. I love yeah. Mountains. And the idea of doing permanent damage to the point where like I needed a knee replacement or something would have it would have been devastating. I couldn't risk it. Yeah, I mean, I think you made the smart choice, man. <laughs> it's like obviously unforeseen circumstances 
the challenge is astronomical, as you said, even in perfect health, 100 days in the Arctic, guys. You don't know, like, how cold does it get there? I mean... Um, I checked, uh, I checked the weather, uh, on my, well, I mean, I was at home comfy and recovery at the time, but I looked at the weather around like day 80 ish, like high seventies, low eighties. And, uh, they had a week straight of negative 65. Oh my goodness. So, <laughs> that is so cold. I mean, yeah. a negative 65 is just freezing and this is like they call it the super bowl of survival so you have to like think about you know long and hard is it worth it you know to put yourself through that and i i know you said as a marine you know adapt improvise and overcome part of your your mentality and i think that is essential like mindset is no question a huge component from what i've seen um but what would you say in your opinion like how much is mindset what percentage of like success is mindset and what percentage is skills would you say for a loan i would say it's probably like it's probably somewhere around 70 30 mindset versus skills or oh interesting at least 60 40 like yeah like I was saying, you you spend months training your skills or, or a whole lifetime for some skills. Like everyone has their, their handful of skills that they've spent their entire lives on. And then you get out there and it all goes out the window. Like I had this, I had this huge plan for this crazy, this nice shelter that was going to be built in the dirt. And I was going to dig down and there's going to be a sump and like all a uh, cold sump and like a fireplace that I was going to build with these flat rocks that I had seen at base camp. And I get out to my drop zone and there's none of that. There's not one single patch of dirt anywhere on my whole drop zone there were no rocks just granite boulders so i think really you need to have a you need to have a base level of skill you need to know how to get food you need to know how to purify water you need to know how to uh, build a warm shelter and the and and some other basic skills like fishing and processing game and things like that but you could really probably figure that on the fly but you've got to be able to improvise You've got to be able to think on your feet and uh, make split decisions that are totally different than what you had planned in your mind. Mm. Because for me, like I, I really, obviously my, my most sharpened skill is, is the archery thing. So I really had played on small game and large game hunting with the bow. And in the first like seven days, I didn't see one single rabbit on the ground, not a single grouse. I had some bear scat in my area, like some really old moose sign, but there were, there was no game on the ground other than squirrels, which were so small. It really wasn't even, I mean, yeah. really, if you, if you dink one in passing as you're walking by, which yeah. is what did, like that's fine, but you're not going to go chasing them down. Cause it, it takes you more calories just to get to the squirrel and process it out than it, than you're going to get from the food. So, yeah, it's so true. So I had to improvise totally and build a net and, uh, and rely heavily on fishing. So, I mean, everything that I had planned totally went out the window and all the skills that I had sharpened really didn't play in. And I, you just have to be able to improvise, think on your feet and be creative. Yep. That's going to save you more times than, than hard skills for sure. Yeah. I mean, and, it, Oh, go ahead. Uh, Oh, the very last thing is a, a certain amount of tolerance for suffering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're going to suffer. You're going to be cold. You're going to be eaten alive by bugs for the you know, uh, I mean, in the Arctic until the first freeze. The bugs are brutal. They'll just, they'll tear you up. Yeah. They don't really talk about the bugs and, and that little stuff. Like, you know, the, 
terrain just being so uncertain, like a, you could fall in a hole at any given time. They, you know, yeah. they don't show, they show some of it, but I can only imagine like that's an editor's nightmare, like getting 80 hours of footage from like 10 people say, Hey, yeah. make, make a show. Here you go. But I mean, I think, you know, I like watching the show just because it really does tap into our primal sense as hunter gatherers and just what it takes to survive. And it's raw and gritty. And I highly recommend all you guys check out history channels, season seven, look at Corey, you know, watch, watch him. I'm not going to spoil the ending. Um, he may or may not have told me a little bit in, uh, you know, the pre-show, but, uh, I want you guys to check it out cause it's worth the watch. Now, Corey, I want to get into just a couple more happy hustle hacks and, you know, just let's get specific in terms of entrepreneurship. I know you run a successful small business. Talk to us a little bit about what you've learned and maybe a happy hustle hack that might help the audience that are watching and listening. Yeah, I can, uh, I can only really speak for myself and, uh, and, and, and for pursuing like, uh, like an art or a craft that you want to make your full-time income. But I think, uh, some things that have been invaluable to me has been keeping my overhead low um, because the, you know, it just increases your profit margin. Like you, you don't have to have the $4,000 laptop to start your business. I've been, I've been running this business for, you don't have to have the latest and greatest technology. You don't have to have the latest and greatest equipment in your shop. Like I've got, I've got a 1952 antique drill press out there. That's been serving me, you know, for a long time without fail. I run the whole business on a $400 laptop. I'm still rocking the iPhone eight because it still works great. It still does everything I need it to do. So I think, yeah, just know that you don't have to get into this massive black hole to get your business started. Like you can start with the basics hmm. and, uh, and, and it doesn't always have to be like the latest and greatest technology because that's a huge that's a huge money suck for a lot of people getting started is the tech. And, uh, another thing that's been very, I mean, probably the, the most valuable for me is living a debt-free lifestyle Mm, as a mm -hmm. a craftsman. It just, I feel like when you have creditors, you are, you know, you have indebted servitude to them. Like you have to make ends meet by making a certain amount of income so that you can pay your bills and the less debt that you have, the less bills you have and uh, the more money you have in your pocket. And it takes, it takes a lot less when you're first getting started and uh, ironing out the kinks in your business and getting your systems all developed. And you know, your income's low for those first couple of years and uh, yeah, just the less overhead and the less debt that you have, the more free time you have, the more money you have. It just, it's worked out really well for me. Yeah. So I would advise, like if you're going to, if you're going to be a craftsman and you're going to enter into a niche market, that's, uh, you know, probably not going to have a high volume of sales, just keep your expenses low, stay out of debt and you'll be just fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you would be surprised, uh, how far money goes when you're not indebted to people. Yeah. Love that. I mean, those are great points. I I personally am debt free. And when I paid off all my student loans and all the other stuff, it's like, it's liberating. And, you know, there's a couple books that I like to recommend for those people who are, you know, looking to get their finances on point. One is I will teach you to be rich and another one, um, six months to debt free. Do you have any books on finances that maybe you like, or that you've learned a lot from in terms of entrepreneurship? Yeah. One of my favorite books is called, uh, the millionaire next door. 
And it cool. talks about how there are all these shadow millionaires all over the United States who drive the base model F-150. They live in a, you know, $130,000 house and they just have millions of dollars stacked away in the bank. And it's because they were smart and they were frugal uh, and they made good business decisions and they stayed out of debt. Yeah. And, and they uh, live below their means. Yeah. They live well below their means. And it just took the number, like people hate math, right? But they just show you the basic math of like where you'll be on a $40,000 income, you know, in so many years. And it's, it's, it's pretty mind blowing. Yeah. It's so. so true. I mean, that's just like, this is just a little snippet into my life right now, but you know, Steph and I, we, we had this decision where like, do we stay in Bozeman for the winter or do we spend time in a more tropical, you know, uh, less freezing cold place. So we're now looking into going to Patagonia for the same money that we're, you know, spending here, we can get a badass, you know, cabin in the woods of Patagonia or in on the coast of Thailand. We're looking at a couple different options, but that's I mean, awesome. that's the power of like thinking through your decisions, living below your means, keeping your overhead low and, you know, just, being debt free, I think is one of the biggest things, you know, if you don't have it cash, don't pay for credit. So great points there, Corey. I like that a lot in terms of spirituality. I don't know where you stand in terms of, you know, one God or another, but I believe myself, you know, in, in terms of just as a deeply spiritual person, I believe in a higher power. Um, do you have any happy hustle hacks in regards to spirituality that you could share? I, I don't know if they, I don't know if they would be hacks, I guess. I just try <laughs> to, uh, I'm definitely a spiritual person, but it's, it's, it's kind of weird for me, right? Like it's, it's all very tied into nature and this, this one divine source and sort of like the connectedness of all things. Yeah. And, uh, I think, I think if you're a spiritual person who cares about the future and who cares about the environment, if you can structure your business in a, in a way where you're not, where you're doing more good than you are harm, like where mm. it's, you know, it's a sustainable and, mm. and, and environmentally responsible. I think for me, that's uh that ties a lot into my spirituality. Like I just, I want to keep in mind when I'm, I'm cutting down trees and stuff for this business that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm connected to all these things. This, this is all important for the ecosystem. It's all important for our future. So I only take what I need and, you know, I try to keep, uh, I try to keep my waste as low as I possibly can. I'm not a waste free business, but I'm, I'm pretty close. Um, That's so, awesome. and I think, uh, yeah, I think don't, uh, don't be afraid to take some time, by yourself for self-reflection or, or talking to a higher power or praying or whatever you want to call it, uh, like prayer journals, maybe I, I do a lot of that and, uh, cool. yeah, it just, it helps. Yeah. Those are, I mean, those are great points. Just being conscious of, you know, your environment and being grateful for the oneness that how we are all connected, not taking more than you need. I mean, supporting conscious companies like B corporations that are, you know, transparent and focusing on the triple bottom line, the people, the planet and the profits. I just had on uh, Oliver Gauthier on the podcast. He's a regenerative um, permaculture specialist and natural builder. I should hook you up with him. You guys would, you guys would click, but 
I mean, we talked about some great ways that you can support your environment and just be more conscious with our footprint, you know, carbon footprint, as well as, you know, our waste footprint. So great points there, Corey. And I, and I definitely think spending time alone, like you did definitely on the show, but even just on your day to day, you guys listening and watching, you can get out, you know, just go five minutes for a little walk in the park and just spend some time reflecting on what's important to you being grateful and, you know, maybe have a little prayer journal. That's a great point there. Or like mixing in, uh, you know, mixing in Eastern and, and, and Western ideas, like uh, the, the, the ideas of mindfulness or full attention when you're working or like keeping distractions out of the workplace or deep breathing techniques really helps me in the shop. Like, yep. Just staying super focused on my work. And uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different stuff that you can tie in. So don't be afraid to mix. There's a lot of people who are very rigid, you know, like if it's not like, if it's not Christianity, then it's wrong. Or like, if it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, you can, you can say any one of the religions uh, that you want, but the, I do like to mix, mix in different ideas, especially For meditation sure. and mindfulness and just the, uh, yeah. For sure, man. I, I so I love the the mixture. I, I believe, you know, heavily in the Taoist philosophy. I have a Kung Fu master who's a Taoist priest and I'm big into the Eastern side of, you know, religion and, and spirituality and, and the balance and the harmonious nature of everything. And, you know, then I look to other religions and and leaders and gurus who can, you know, we can learn from everyone. We can learn from the the homeless man on the street to the, the boardroom executive. Right. So it's just being a constant student of life, I think is, is a beautiful way to really just tap into that higher power and, you know, find gratitude in the process. So this has been great, Corey. I want to get into the rapid fire round, all right? And then we'll wrap this bad boy up. Okay. So this is, this is basically just where I ask you random questions, and uh, you answer honestly. First thing that comes to mind, okay? Okay. <laughs> all right. Favorite movie. Go. Uh, the Revenant. Oh, good one. Favorite food? Eggs. Ah, favorite book? You might have mentioned it. The Way of the Superior Man. All right. What is your spirit animal? The hawk. Oh, good one. I know it's cheesy. It's the whole middle name thing and everything. But I gotta be honest, I got a deep connection with those birds. So badass. Best business advice. Um get out of debt. Mm. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Superhuman strength. That's good. Speaking of strength, favorite exercise. Deadlift. Favorite let's say biohack will you for the mind or the body let medicine let food be thy medicine oh good one one word you wish to be synonymous with your name for the rest of your life oh man Uh, (laughs) conscious Oh, I love it. And final question, three things you're most grateful for. My family, my health, and my mind. Awesome. I want to just take a moment, acknowledge you, Corey, for sharing your wisdom, your love, your light with the Happy Hustlers. Give us some links and, you know, a little bit more info where people can go to find out more about you, maybe even pick up one of your awesome custom-made bow and arrow sets. Uh, give us some, um, you know, some links, a call to action, will you? 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I, the only social media I use right now is Instagram. You guys can find me at organic underscore Archer. And uh, also I have a website, organicarchery.com. And uh, the website's going to lay out a bunch of different different information for wood species, uh, warranty and care. And uh, it kind of uh, will have some information on there about the ordering process. And you'll also find under the contact page on my website, the custom order form. And uh like we mentioned earlier, if you guys want to, if you guys do decide to order a custom bow, uh, leave in the comments at the bottom of the order form, just, uh, the code happy. And, uh, for this podcast, the happy hustle podcast, I'll give you guys 10% off the whole order. Boom. So. Love it. So organic art archer, organic underscore archer on Instagram. You guys got to follow him. He's got a great page with a ton of really knowledgeable tips on archery and just it's engaging content. So highly recommend checking that out. And then if you do want a badass bow custom made by yours truly over here, I mean, organicarchery.com is the spot code happy will save. So thank you, Corey, man. I appreciate you hanging out. Final question. What does happy hustling mean to you? having the freedom to do something that you love every single day. <laughs> Boom. Just nailed it. Mic drop. Thank you, Corey. Thank you guys for watching and listening. We're out. Peace and love. See ya. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Happy Hustle Podcast. I truly am so grateful that you took the time out of your busy day to spend time with me. Now, if you got any value from this episode or any episodes in the past, it would mean the world to me if you could please leave a five-star review and share this episode with your friends so we can continue to spread this message. Guys, as always, it's been a blast. Now go out there and happy hustle for your dream reality. Peace.